0: Coming up on episode 181 of Wheelbearings. It's an all questions show. We answer listener feedback for the whole show, so thanks for sending in your thoughts and keep them coming. We're driving the 2021 Ford Mustang Mach E, Kia Telluride SX, and finishing up our time with the Cadillac Escalade. That's all ahead on episode 181 of Wheel Bearings.
1: Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to Patreon.com/WheelBearingsMedia, and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you, and exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So, if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to Patreon.com/WheelBearingsMedia. Yeah. Is wheel bearings. I am Dan Roth from Forbes. I'm Sam Abual Samit from Guidehouse Insights.
2: And I'm Rebecca Linland from Rebecca Drives.
0: All right. Uh, so let's jump into what we're driving because we've got a lot of questions this week uh, to talk about. One thing I need to do is make sure that all our Patreon friends have been thanked uh, since the last time. Um, so it looks like we've got one more new patron who signed up, Craig Daly has uh, kicked in some some forward collision alert uh, dollars for us on Patreon. And you can too, and that means you'll get uh, special uh, interview content and other episodes either early or all on your own. You get the ad-free episodes as well. So uh, patreon.com slash wheel media. Uh, anyway, we're done with the business development. Um, on to the podcast. Uh, Sam, uh, you... Want to talk about the 2021 Kia Telluride SX?
1: Yeah, so I, I had the uh, the Telluride uh, for a week, and um, you know we've we've talked about the Telluride before, uh, you know, both when it first launched and you know at various times uh, since it came out, and this is still a great three row SUV. Uh, you know, it's the the Telluride and it's it's Hyundai's sibling, the the Palisade. You know, are not quite as massive as you know the, the classic body-on-frame three rows like uh, the Chevy Tahoe, GMC Yukon, uh, Ford Expedition. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like half a step down. You know, it's more along the lines of you know the Chevy Traverse in terms of size. Still big. You know, the the third row is you know actually usable for adults. It's it's big enough for people to actually sit back there. You know, I was able to, to get in the back there and and it's not, you know, it, it, it's not it doesn't feel excessively cramped to me. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be luxurious for a, a full grown adult back there, but uh, it's, it's certainly very usable. Um, personally, you know, I I actually prefer the Telluride to the Palisade. Um, you know, I, I like the See? way it looks. Um, you know, it's a little bit more restrained in its design. Uh, You know, the Palisade to me, you know, feels a little more, uh, you know, luxury, you know, more, more traditional luxury in terms of the, the, the design, you know, there's a little more chrome outside, um, you know, a little feels a little fancier inside the, the uh, Telluride feels a little bit more restrained, but still very premium, um, you know, in a way that I really like, which actually. One is
0: a Rolls, one is a Bentley. That's all. (laughs)
1: Yeah, except I mean, you look at modern Bentleys, and you know, they, you know, they feel just as ostentatious as a Rolls. In in that respect, you know, I'd say it's, you know, not not that the Palisade is ostentatious, but it's uh, it's a little more on this towards that ostentatious end of the spectrum than the Telluride is. So yeah,
0: I I get what you're saying, and I feel the same way. Um, the, The Telluride just seems to. Nail it for us enthusiasts, well, um, in in both like being nice and also just not being not feeling like
1: grandpa's Buick. Yeah. I, sh-
2: I think it's such a handsome vehicle. Here
1: it is, you know, it's 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 really well executed both inside and out from a from a design perspective. Uh, you know, it's got there's just there's enough detailing, you know, in the the sheet metal, the shaping of the sheet metal. Um, the things that they've done inside to to let you know that you know people actually put a very practiced eye on this, you know and 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 really thought about it and put things right where they need to be. Um, you know put just enough in there to to let you know that you know this is something special, but mm-hmm. you know without going overboard, which you know to is at least to my taste, you know I prefer that. You know, some people are going to prefer the um, the Palisade look, which, you know, again, not to say that it's overboard or ostentatious, but it's a little bit further along the the spectrum in that direction. And so, you know, and that and this is why, you know, you have, you know, Hyundai Motor Group has three brands. You you know, you have Hyundai, you have Kia, you have Genesis, you know, and Genesis goes, you know, again, further on, you know, down that stream uh, in that direction. So, um, you know, I, I, I like the balance of where he is at in general. Um, and the, it works for me, you know, the the powertrain in this thing, uh, you know, there's just the, the one engine option. There's the 3.8 liter, uh, direct injected V six, um, naturally aspirated 291 horsepower, 262 pounds feet of torque. So, you know, it's, it's typical of what you're going to find as, you know, the, the baseline engine in this class of vehicle um you know it's the same engine that's in the palisade uh eight-speed automatic transmission it's available in front wheel drive or uh all-wheel drive i had the the all-wheel drive the, the trim level i had was the sx which was the top trim level of the the telluride and you know it comes with all kinds of uh features um let's see you yeah, it had the full suite of driver assist systems, you know, the usual blind spot, uh, monitors and cross traffic alert, the forward collision assist. It's got the, the highway driving assist, which is, you know, kind of the, the more, the more advanced version of lane keeping and, um, uh, adaptive cruise control. So it, it really, you know, tries to do you know lane centering, but it is still very much a hands-on system. So and I think it's very comparable to what you would get with Nissan's propilot pilot assist uh, type of system or uh, Ford's copilot, you know, their standard copilot 360, not the th- copilot 360 plus um, where, you know, it's very much a, a hands-on uh, system. Uh the The leather inside is, is really nice. Uh, you've got a nice big 10, 10 and a quarter inch uh, touchscreen uh, in the center. Uh, the the Telluride. I guess if there's one there's there's one thing I wish that the Telluride had from the Palisade. Uh, they, the the um, Palisade has uh, the full digital instrument cluster. Whereas the Telluride keeps uh, analog gauges uh, for the speed and tachometer. And then there's a, a display, an LCD display in between them. So both of them have the feature where when you turn on the turn signal, it shows you in the instrument cluster, it shows you the view from the camera uh, in, right in front of you. Um, so you can see what's, what's in the, the blind spot on either side. And uh, on, the pal- on the Palisade, you know, it will actually show it in you know on either on the left or right. So if you're put on your left turn signal, it'll show it on the left in place of the speedometer, or on the on the right side of the cluster. So it's a little more analogous to you know kind of glancing at your mirrors to see what's there, whereas the uh, the Telluride shows you know from either one it shows it in that display in the middle between the two analog gauges. It's a very minor detail it's you know it's certainly not a deal breaker but it's just you know it is one detail that i, I kind of would prefer to see it done the way hyundai did it uh but you know it's it's fairly trivial um you know android auto and apple carplay support uh tri-zone uh, climate control one of the the one of the other details that i really like that uh kia and hyundai have implemented on these vehicles is you know they've got lots of usb ports around the vehicle you know there's, bunch in the front of the, the, the bottom of the center stack, but also, and we've talked about this before on the, uh, the front seats on the inside, uh, border of the front on the, the seat frame, uh, there's a USB port right there so that passengers in the rear seat. So if you've got kids in the rear seat sitting there with their iPad or, you know, their Nintendo switch or whatever, they can plug it in. The, the, the USB port is right in front of them to, so they can charge their devices. Uh, so yeah, that's very I'm, handy to have there. It's easy to I access. I love that. And my
0: my kids actually commented on that about they, when they found the USB port on the back of the seats. They were all aflutter.
2: Yeah, like I so. mean, most, I, yeah, it's great. Most it's yeah, a most, nice thoughtful touch.
1: Yeah, most yeah. and and the thing is, most modern vehicles now have USB ports, you know, for the second row, but they're usually buried down at on the the back surface of the center console. So they're down near your feet, and it can often be you know a little challenging, you know, to you know it's often you know not well lit down there and if you're trying to find the port to plug in and figure out okay which way is it supposed to go you you can't really see it directly so you're fumbling around trying to get up you know where kia and hyundai have done it it's you know white right visible there you know you can see exactly where it is which uh, orientation the uh the plug needs to go in so uh, that's again one of those really nice little touches um the, the one I had, the SX that I had, had the second row captain's chairs. Uh, you can also get it with a bench seat, uh, you know, and those, they, they flip forward really easily. So you get access to the, the third row, um, the Harman Kardon surround sound. And I noticed, uh, and I, I can't remember, I can't remember if what the, when I previously had the Telluride, uh, which was a 2020 model, if it had the sounds of nature feature uh, that we talked about previously oh on the K five, but, but it is there now on the twenty twenty ones. Uh, I wish you could
0: get it to like play a little, like it could play like the sounds of nature and morning mood together. So you just get this like sunrise. Make it stop.
2: Oh, thing. I yeah. still get like the heebie jeebies from <laughs> the, thinking cr- about
1: the <laughs> crunching through the icy snow. Yeah. <laughs> not, not that I can't get enough of that right now by just actually right. walking through the snow, but, um, <laughs> you know, or the sound of the cafe. Cause I mean, you know, you know, you know, you want to hear the sound of a Parisian cafe as you're driving down the freeway. Right. <laughs> Since you Look, can't It go doesn't to come with croissants right in the glove compartment.
0: I don't want it. Like <laughs> I, I, I need the, the bread, the baked goods.
2: Oh my gosh. That's um, funny. And uh,
1: you know, the, the one I had, had the, uh, uh, the, the black finished, uh, 20 inch alloy wheels, the black grill, you know, so, Got a little bit of, you know, and with the, the the everlasting silver exterior color, it's got a slightly sinister look to it, which I kind of like. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's By all a means. cool look. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What's up with the what's up with black wheels?
1: Why is it so popular?
2: Because it's like the cool blackout thing and it's Gen X. We're all about black.
1: I. I mean, it's but, a trend that's been out. There. Let's put it this way: Would you would you prefer the opposite extreme of the going back to the chromed wheels? The, I, I hate chrome wheels. I
2: want cool white wheels.
0: White wheels can be cool. I mean, Subarus had white wagon wheels for years, and they would never hold up; they'd always rust. But yeah. uh, black wheels, like I don't know, to me. They've removed some visual weight from a part of the car that seems to to need the visual weight. Like you expect wheels to be shiny or painted or something. And Black wheels just make them blend right in with the shadows. I, I don't know. And they look dirty to me because when your wheels are black, that means that they've. On got the other hand, they never show
1: foam. brake dust.
0: Yeah, right. That's yeah. true. So I,
1: I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's just <laughs> it's just. You don't just, have to get the black wheels. It's it's an option. Yeah. Right. You know, if you like them, great. If you don't, yeah. It's get, you know, one of the other sets of wheels that they offer. So, um, you know, the, the one I had, um, you know, it's EPA rated at uh, 21 miles per gallon combined, 19 city, 24 highway. Uh, I, I got, uh, I think, about uh, 19 uh, miles per gallon with the, the Telluride. Uh, and notice to our listeners that I do keep repeating, yes. Telluride in there. So, you know, what so did you, don't you drive? Forget. Uh, <laughs> was it was this? the twenty twenty one Kia Telluride SX. Kia Telluride. Thank you. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, and SX. So that's the the sporty ish trim, right? SX versus. Uh, I I forget exactly how Kia trims. Yeah, work. Yeah,
1: SX man. is a little more sporty. Hence the black wheels. You know, you yeah. can it's also. it's
0: also the top
2: trim.
1: Yes. Oh, uh, oh, it is. You can okay. also get was... the, you know the the LX and the EX trims. The EX is kind of the the other more premium trim um that is you know maybe got you know shinier wheels on it instead of Shiny, the black. that wheels. would be this this is the dan old man option That's not <laughs> it's <laughs> you know it's it's the same or your jam you know yeah. same powertrain drives the same way um you know I'm, I'm not sure if the suspension tuning is any different on the sx i don't think it is um you know this one had the the towing package uh it did have the uh sx prestige package uh which gives you the heads-up display and 110 volt inverter so if you need to plug in some stuff uh you know that that needs more than just usb uh the Napa leather um the uh, heated and ventilated second row seats always also a very nice uh nice addition to games, nice. you know on those hot or cold days um and uh rain sensing uh windshield wipers um and the by the way the black wheels and the black grill are actually part of the nightfall edition package, uh, which is 1295 bucks. So why again, do they
0: have to make this sound so ominous? Like <laughs> I know toyota has got edition. nightshade
1: and I yeah, think it's like, nightshade, right? Oh. It and is nightshade. yeah. yeah. Nightfall, yeah. So eh, whatever, you know, what, once, once you've finished, you know, paying for the vehicle, you know, you, you don't care. You forget about it. Right, those. marketing.
2: Dan, you're they not put, a marketing maven, are you?
0: <laughs> no. Clearly. They put stalker sound effects in it, too, with the, the footsteps in the snow. Someone sneaking up on you. No, I'm
2: looking for, I'm going to have the Telluride in a couple of weeks. I'm look, definitely looking forward to it because I had it, I had it like a year and a half ago for over Memorial Day weekend. And I know this will shock our listeners, but I bought something and I needed to go retrieve it. <laughs> <laughs> down in the Jersey Shore. Memorial Day weekend. On, so, the on the Jersey Shore. On Jersey Shore. You're not, crazy. N- pre-pandemic, not that's, ideal.
0: That's nuts.
2: So I got up, and I, I told this story actually on wheel bearings. So I got up at like seven. I got into the car at seven in the morning, and got there about nine thirty. Met the woman. At, she was actually nice enough to come out to the Mammoth uh, uh, rest area on the Garden State Parkway. And so she, we—I was probably there for maybe like thirty minutes. And I get back on the highway now. This time heading north, and southbound in those, like, you know, like almost like behind me, the, the traffic had just built and built and built. And as I'm heading
0: northbound. So you're on the so leading
1: edge of that wave. That's I was riding, that, riding wave. that wave to the exactly, shore.
0: Exactly. exactly. I've done that on the GSP so many times. Like, Oh my gosh. And you just look at it and you're like, oh man, I'm glad we're not going there. Oh. Like, the last time we, we, so we went to Atlantic City, we borrowed a, a um, transit and I wound up on the sawmill like an idiot with it. I <laughs> thought I was going to scalp it, but the uh, that was what it was like going home too. Was was we're, we're headed north on the parkway and, and just southbound is just getting more and more stacked up and you're just like wow. just incredible.
2: But I was very impressed. So I so I basically was in that car for like five hours because I got home by noon, and it was so good. Like it and you know driving through, I went I went through parts of Manhattan. I had to go over the George Washington Bridge. These are all like heavy. That's a crazy heavily way to go. traveled that's, routes, yes. yeah. Oh. And, but it was really good, and that's a big vehicle, but it didn't drive yeah. big. No, but it, it, does it doesn't. Get that,
0: but, it gets that big vehicle fuel economy though. Like Sam, you were saying, nineteen miles to go. That's that's okay, but yeah. that was the one thing that I felt like it, I wanted it to do better at was just better fuel economy. It's hard to make something that big and heavy get better economy, but that was I wish it could get. A little bit more
1: miles per gallon. Yeah, down. But, you know, to, to your comment, uh, Rebecca, about how, how big it is, you know, I had to, um, on my daughter's house uh, that she owns, I uh, needed a new storm door. Uh, the storm the storm door ne- needed to be replaced. And so I went to Lowe's, you know, folded down the second or third row seats, slid right in, all the way in, you know, up up to, you know, the front of the seats there. So, I mean, there's a lot of space there. Um, and if you can, you know, if you and there, there was plenty of excess space, you know, with, I'm not sure, sure if you could fit a four by eight sheet in there, uh, but you can get pretty close, you know? So there's, there's a lot of cargo space available in these things if you need them. And even, even, you know, leaving the second row seats up, you know, just with third row down, there's a lot of volume available to you there. there so,
2: so I'm sorry, Dan, I just want to, cause I looked back and I remembered. So over that 200, 186 miles was that round trip. It was. I got twenty five point five miles per gallon.
0: That's really good. Yeah, that's, that's and you know me. I, I mean, I'm
2: not keeping it at fifty five, honey. Right.
0: That's true. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get mileage that that good when I had the Telluride. I think it was more in the high teens or real low twenties, like Sam got. So you must have had just a feather light touch.
2: I it was very delicate. You know me, very delicate. <laughs> delicate, but style. no, I love that vehicle. I I think it's a really really cool. It's it's a really cool ride. I
1: liked it a lot. Yeah. So um, including delivery charge, uh, this one came to $50,180, which is um, not inexpensive, but also not out of line with this segment. I mean, you know, you go look at something like an Explorer or Traverse, you know, that's comparably equipped. um, You're gonna be paying, you know, in that high 40s to $50,000 price range these days. That's, that unfortunately is the price of entry to a vehicle like this today.
0: well, and, no, that's not. But that's not entry though. That's the price of true getting the top trim. Yes, <laughs>
1: price that, that of entry is, true. is much lower. The, pri- yeah, the price it of, starts the price at thirty three. Yeah, the price yeah. you you can. I mean, e- and considering that you know you're still getting the same powertrain, you know, you're you know you're going to be missing out on you know some equipment like you know the the big sunroof and things like that. But you're still getting a lot, even at thirty three thousand dollars. Grant, that's the front wheel drive version. Um, you know couple grand more if you want to get all wheel drive on that base version uh but still you know it it's it's it is a very good value you know the Kia Telluride SX
2: Yeah I I agree I think it's a, it's a fantastic vehicle I think it's well worth people's time to look at it to test it and of course it also comes with that great warranty too mm-hmm. so I, you know I I am a huge fan of this vehicle and as I said I can't wait to have it again in just a couple of weeks
0: I think that the the thing when you're buying in that segment, you know, when you're looking at the Telluride, you should, and you're you're cross shopping with um, the Explorer and the Traverse and even the the Palisade. The thing that stands out to me is the um, and, and the the Pathfinder, which is brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have to see how that does. But the thing that stands out to me is the 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 thoughtfulness of the the features that they've included. So how easy is it for you to use? How is that? third row access how is it you know to fold the seats to to get to it um what about when you've got that hatch open how is it to fold the third row down you know a lot of cars have the electric release or the power you know which this does
1: it's got Uh, a couple switches in the in the cargo area there to flip the third row seats down
2: isn't it the the palisade though has electronically and the Telluride did not get that option. I think.
1: Yeah, the Telluride uh, may just like release them. Yeah, no, this, this one had like... this one had power folding third row seats. Oh,
2: I think maybe for the, for the first year, yeah, the Palisade had it.
1: And, and at the beginning, most likely, you know, on the the lower trim levels, you would you, know, you would not get uh, right, the power folding sure. seats. Uh, so this is power folding, you know, both up and down, uh, so you don't have to reach down to, to pull them up. You can just uh, yeah. Until the cable drive mechanism stops for oh, 15 yeah. years <laughs> in.
0: I keep my cars a long time. I'm not, I'm not throwing any. any uh,
1: some, some of us keep, keep cars beyond the length of a, a typical lease.
0: And some of yeah. us don't.
1: <laughs> uh, they're
0: all wonderful when they're new. Um, so that's great. Uh, so that's the Telluride SX. Um, Rebecca, yes. what is in your driveway right now? There's a lot of stuff
2: in my driveway. Um, it's a little <laughs> overwhelming at times because uh, it's it's not the plan ever to have three media cars at the same time. But now
0: I know you're trying to create your own media empire yeah, and suck exactly. up media cars for every other person who writes and, and in then, the New York area. You
2: know, factored in with snow and you know everything. But so, <clears throat> so I had the 2021 Ford Mustang Mach E, and I got to tell you, I'm a big fan. It was so much fun. I just, I mean, they, there's a couple of miracles that happened while I was had the, this four days. One, I didn't get a speeding ticket. Two, <laughs> I didn't get a speeding ticket, and three, I didn't get a speeding ticket. <laughs> uh, this thing, so there, there's there's what's called the connector um, up in Wilton, near where my mom and my sister live.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: it's three three miles.
0: and it's straight.
2: and it's straight. <laughs> it's it's as described it's well named it's a connector it connects you know one kind of what was supposed to be the continuation of a highway that never got approved but it connects to uh the Merritt parkway route 15 and i-95 i was
0: gonna say it goes 95 to 15 and i've missed that once or twice and i've been like because then you wind up having to drive to new haven Yeah, exactly right. right
2: so so this is this is actually like, you know, if I've ever come home late at night from there, like I'll see like hot rod cars on the right hand side waiting to launch. I think I talked about actually one time this Audi. It sounds like
0: a Bruce Springsteen. So, so, <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so a, a first, couple of first uh, lived in Connecticut. <laughs> right. Exactly.
2: A couple of uh, months ago, I I it was probably about 1230 at night and I was driving home and there was an audi a6 parked on the right side and you know i was probably doing 80 and that thing blew by me it must have been doing at least 150 because my, the the I, th- I can't remember which car i was in an suv and it shook it shook the car when it went by
0: oh and, you get the the wave off the front yes, and then the, like the vacuum that's how as much a, speed yeah. you can get so yeah. anyway so
2: <laughs> in the Mach-E, so i i there was nobody behind me so i was at a full stop and I just floored it. And that thing was at 100 in a second. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was just the the instant torque on that vehicle was just unbelievable. And I loved I loved having that kind of power. It was actually a lot of fun. We did like the the little performance muffler sound, you know, that you can un- do. Unbridled mode. Unbridled, mo- unbridled mode was a riot. I mean, that thing was hilarious. Like, so, so I had my thirteen year old niece with me. And I picked her up in school. So oh,
0: I see. Contributing to the delinquency of a minor. hundred
2: <laughs> percent. Carry on. <Yep. laughs> Not my kid.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I've done it with my kids. <laughs>
0: so oh, where I, did you learn that
1: i, I picked her Aunt up Aunt at, the,
2: at the school bus line and then we drove all through like you know the curvy parts of of, of town and everything and so we put it in in mode and you can feel it like you can actually feel the car changing instantly and she started giggling and she's not a giggler and i was like right you can feel it uh and then engaging <laughs> i didn't have as much like there wasn't as much definitive difference in engage mode and i kind of wish they had called it like like dressage and you know something that more dressage. of the equestrian world. Yes. You but can, it, <laughs> nobody asked me.
0: <laughs> it'll 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 trot around in neat circles. Exactly,
2: yeah. it's very well uh, behaved. Yeah, right. That's the thing. That's the mm-hmm. thing with dressage.
0: I think dressage is more of like a Lincoln thing. Though, I know. Right? Well, Lincoln's that's the
2: problem, stuff. right? And so then I was trying to think like barrel racing you know i was trying to go more rodeo but um but it was a lot of fun though i loved it (laughs) i did have um a couple of instances so the charging so the the mustang maki comes with the ford pass i wasn't able to get it started like to get it registered or anything that's not a ding on ford by any stretch that's all about me um but i did kind of drive around for some trying to find a charger For the experience and the first one that it sent me to was um was actually like not really a viable charger so then I then I drove around a little bit more and I eventually ended up at Greenwich Town Hall where there is a charge point charger so I was there I activated that with minimal issues and I was I ended up doing a conference call actually with some of the Ford engineers telling them about some of my experiences that I've had sync had didn't like my phone it didn't like the cord it didn't like any of the cords with my uh, my android uh, samsung phone which is actually exactly what i ran into with the genesis uh g90 which is kind of funny because genesis is a korean company and my phone is korean that apparently does not matter so it was phone is
1: samsung samsung and, and hyundai are very different companies e-
2: exactly <laughs> exactly so i've had this problem before with the cords and the android system Ford is aware of it. They were very nice enough to arrange the call um, for me. And so I was at the charger for probably I was on the call for about 30 minutes with them. And then I actually one of the town guys came by and this was like infrastructure in action. He was actually hanging the signs to direct people to the charger. So
1: so he was like and that's that's actually a great thing to hear, because one of the big issues you know, there's there's an increasing number of chargers being installed all over the country, but most of them are really hard to find. There you can't is find them. no signage. I, I actually yeah. have a Maki e this week as well. And, you know, I've gone to two different Electrify America stations. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, over the last couple of years to most of the other stations I've gone to, there's almost never any signage You know to, to tell you. Oh, the the chargers are over here. You know, it's not like going to a gas station where you have a big ass sign (laughs) there.
2: I think, Sam, you and I talked about this because because I you and I were offline talking about this and you said, oh, no, there's a charger right at this shopping center. I was like, I have been to that Mm -hmm. shopping center (laughs) and I cannot find the charger. I'm sure it's there somewhere, but there's no sign. It's the same kind of thing. So Town Hall was actually putting up signs throughout the parking garage to direct people there. So I ended up being there for about an hour and 15 minutes or so, because then the sign guy is a big car guy. We started talking and blah, blah, blah. So I only got like 25 or 30 miles in that hour of charging. So clearly a level two charger, you know, it would have been fine if it would have been a beautiful day and I could have gone for a walk around Greenwich and left it sitting there. It was you know, 19 degrees. So I wasn't doing that. <laughs> so it was, you know, it just took a long time at that level, too, which isn't a surprise. It's not unexpected, but it's something, you know, Sam, you and I were talking again. Like, you've got to have a charger at home, just full stop. Like, you have to have that if you're going to get one of these vehicles. But with that being said, that car is so quiet in the inside of it, like driving along, not just because it doesn't have an engine, but the insulation that they did, the NVH is incredibly good. Sitting there, 19 degrees, while we were in a protected parking garage, I was only on the second level. So it was still, like we were still cold, but it was so warm in that car for an extended period of time, which was really good. Like there's, there was just, it's so well thought out. I I absolutely loved it. And I really, you know, I've been wanting to get an EV. I've been looking at different cars and for the pricing, for the price point, for the experience, I loved it. I really, so, it's definitely on my list.
0: So you think that the Mach-E is um, like the the ideal execution of an EV right now? Like you think that Ford has really done their homework and created a, a car that is going to make that adoption um, pretty seamless and, and easy for people? The charging availability aside like it it just to me it it sounds like um you you were you're overall real positive about how how well it all comes together in the maquis
2: i'm very i'm very positive about it i think that it gives it it gives that muscle car domestically oriented buyer a really viable vehicle to buy there is nothing wrong with the chevy bolt but this is not a Chevy yeah. bolt
1: <laughs> but, but the bolt the bolt is a form factor that American car buyers have no interest in right now it, it,
0: exactly because they're so dumb they're so dumb I mean great. you know
1: you always hear that you know it's, it's all about timing you know and the timing of the bolt was so wrong you know when clearly when they started development <laughs> on that you know which would have you know came out in 2017 2013 yes people were still buying small cars. By 2017, that had completely flipped and cars were clearly on the way out, you know, so they, they completely mistimed the launch of but- that vehicle. In GM's defense, they are now working on the
0: Bolt EUV, Yes, um, which we should see at some point. <laughs> next week. Uh, I wish they, they had gone – oh, next week. There we go. Um, I wish they had gone a little faster with that because you're right. The it, the Bolt just looks like a small hatchback, which is, is exactly what it is. It just happens to be a really great electric car that you get 250 miles out of, and it's yeah, but, almost as painless and seamless as the Mach-E that you're talking about. But when the I Mach-E, drove it a
2: couple of years ago – so th- so GM was, was good enough to give me one while I was um, – out when I worked for Kelly blue book and I was visiting the, the West coast office and I remember driving it and thinking, I don't feel like I'm driving the future.
1: Really? I just, it, it just, I don't know. It it, it does feel very conventional.
0: Yeah. I think that's true. I think that's one of the things that I I, I think most people
1: don't want the future. They want, something that just works uh, well, but,
0: but, but, the, no. but the
2: Mach-E works and I feel like I'm driving the future
1: right that's what I was gonna yes. say that's it sounds thing. like
2: it's, you it feel like both yeah. just because the future doesn't have to be weird you know right <laughs> well and the and future the Bolt's can not be weird. conventional right but I felt like from the materials from I don't know it, it was it was I mean part of it certainly was the fact that it is a it's it's a compact car and and the Mustang Mach-E is not you know the Chevy Bolt is very much of a small, compact car. And I just felt like the, this Mustang, first of all, it certainly honored, honors the legacy of the brand, of the, of the nameplate Mustang. You know, you feel like you're driving something special. You feel like, you, I mean, with that torque, there's so much power there. But again, it's, it's, the, it's the type of power we'll feel in the future. And, and that's a lot of fun. You know, that's why it was so much fun to drive. And and this this isn't
1: even, this isn't even the hot Mach-E, you know, this this summer they're launching the GT. So, (laughs) so this, this version that we have right now, you know, if you get the the all wheel drive version, the extended range all wheel drive, uh, you have about 350 or 360 horsepower, I think, and about 450 or so foot pounds of torque. It'll do zero to 60 in about five seconds, which is quick. It's very quick. It it, it was
2: and those five seconds are
1: fun yeah and it, it feels very quick but <laughs> you know this the summer when they launched the gt the mach e gt that one will have a larger front motor um you know it'll be i think somewhere in the neighborhood of about 450 horsepower total uh closer to 600 foot pounds of torque um and that one is expected to run zero to 60 in the low three second range that Amazing. puts it you know equivalent To the Shelby GT500, yeah, yeah, that's what that's that's what a GT500 does is low three seconds zero to sixty, and you know this thing will have zero emissions. And you know, granted, you know that this is by no means the fastest EV out there. You know, the the Mach E is pretty comparable in performance to the Tesla Model Y. And in fact, the Model Y is is very much you know the direct competitor to this. You know, it is Ford clearly targeted that vehicle with the Mach-E, uh, you know, and, you know, they, they copied the Tesla playbook, which we've talked mm-hmm. about before. Um, and, and they did it very well. You know, yes. it's, I think it's, what
0: Ford has done with the Mach-E though, is they've, they've copied what people like about the Tesla, yes. that, that, yeah. that distinctiveness, that futurism. I think it's smart for them to brand it as a Mustang, even though it's a sedan and in, in that sort of usability sense, it, it uh, w- but what they've brought to the plate too, is the, the manufacturing uh, skill and technology and, and just like Ford's been building cars for a hundred plus years, you know, they don't, they don't have to, to learn things that, you know, it, cause it was interesting listening to, um, to uh, auto line the other day and they played a snippet from, I guess, uh, Sandy Monroe got to interview Elon Musk. And one of the things that um, Elon Musk was talking about was when they developed the model three, they, organizationally they didn't think of the whole picture so they had you know the the back subframe of that the model 3 has like 70 pieces or something and they're working on solving that um but uh that's because they talked to like the individuals in charge of each piece and said what what's the best way to do this and you know the best materials to make this out of blah, Blah 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 and and so they got like you know, a bunch of different answers, and they didn't have somebody to say, "Wait a minute, <laughs> this
1: is I, a whole, how whole assembly." How do like, you not
2: have somebody? Well, they,
1: the they, did, they, did all over they, they
2: well, they did, tech all over
1: again. Well, no, they They, did, they do learning. have that person. It's Elon. That's that's <laughs> yeah, the problem exactly. with Tesla. <laughs> I, well, is or, everything reports up to Elon? He right, is he is like, the final <laughs> arbiter on everything at Tesla. So, yeah. but that's like one of, that's almost like a rookie mistake,
0: you know, like you would think, okay, great. It's, it's wonderful that, you know, we're building each little piece of this in the ideal fashion. That's marvelous. But when you put it together, uh, you know, you need to consider how are these materials even going to just like, are they going to corrode each other? If you've got aluminum bolted to steel, that's a problem. <laughs> so, um, it's very remedial, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about that kind of thing. Ford has that pretty well figured out. So that's what I'm excited about with the Mach E is just seeing how that that sort of large scale car building can take this this idea that is is really good and and um, the 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 nice user upgrades that come from an EV that has embraced tech um, and and seeing how how that can sort of propagate out in the world uh, built as well as say. The F one hundred (laughs) and fifty is built, maybe better.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I just I thought it was really, really well done and well executed. I certainly had my share fair fair share of issues with the infotainment system, but that is, but first of all, they do the OTAs. They're very aware of it. You actually one of the things I really liked about it also is that you had the opportunity to provide feedback right in the vehicle. So they've got your VIN. They know exactly which vehicle it is. And this is for everybody. This isn't just for journalists. This is...
0: It's it's not just for Rebecca who has Jim Farley on... Speed dial. (laughs) Speed dial. She's like texting.
2: But no, it's really cool though, because then you feel like you're part of the solution. And one of the things that, you know, people that are buying EVs today they are innovators and early adopters and they're willing to overlook some things in order to be part of the solution in order to be part of how do we further this technology along so the idea that you know with just a few clicks of a button you can you can provide feedback i actually my only recommendation is that they make it more visible because i don't know if i would have found it had they not told me about it but you know that opportunity to say hey this is some of the issues that i'm facing and it was pretty comprehensive so, you know, they're asking for feedback from their buyers and I really like that. I think that that's great. Obviously, you want to solve as many problems before it goes to launch, but if you can't, at least, you know, as you're driving this Mustang Mach-E, you can provide feedback uh, directly to the people at Ford and their engineering and their engineering team, and that's really cool.
1: So, let me let me ask you a question, Rebecca. Setting aside Android Auto, for a yeah. moment and you know we know that there is a bug in the software that is causing um many recent android phones to when you plug it in via usb it for it forces the, the phone to reboot and just goes into a, a boot loop um aside from that if you if you didn't try to plug in your phone <laughs> what did you think of the rest of the interface you know on this 15 and a half inch screen the way that they've the way that they've laid out this interface and and how you use it, what did you think yeah. of that?
2: I actually thought it was pretty good. I mean, I liked having the hard dial there, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I I liked the visibility of it. I, you know, they have the they've got you know the the instrument cluster is pretty clear, so I didn't have any other issues with it. And I'm not, I you know, I haven't gone into. A Ford product in quite in probably over a year, so it's not like I'm a sync guru by any stretch. And I felt like it was pretty intuitive. I like the fact that they've got like little um, uh, panels uh, that you can then move the through cards. the little cards, <sighs> right? And so you know, I thought that there was a lot of good information there. I didn't find it particularly distracting. Uh, they've got you know, you can you can customize your profile, which was really nice. So. I don't know. I I I didn't. I certainly didn't fault the sync system just because it didn't like my phone. That's very specific. Uh, but overall, I thought that they had done a really nice job with it. It does, you know, it definitely takes some getting used to and some digging in and such. But I thought it was really. Pre- it was. It was quite good.
1: Yeah, I was and, happy with. It. And for for what it's worth, the Android problem is uh, apparently a problem with Android Auto. Ford's working with Google to address it and there is a, an OTA update coming to address that in the next few weeks.
2: Yeah. So, so it, I, I talked
1: to Ford about it the other day and, and so that's coming.
2: Yeah, they're they're very they they are quite aggressive about addressing this issue. They're not burying, you know, they're not burying their head in the sand at all. Mm-hmm. I again, you know, just looking at some of the menus I think it was it was pretty clear. I'm I'm really bad at some of this stuff like it says controls and settings. I don't know what the difference is between those two. So, you know, I had to kind of toggle back and forth to see what was covered under controls, what's com- covered under settings. Um there's a little icon that you can actually change based on your personal profile that has like a Mustang symbol and then they have another one with a car. I don't know what those differences are. So I had to dig in and, and, you know, get another layer of what did those two things mean? Um, One thing that came up that was a little bit annoying uh, was when I went to, when I went into the charging and I had it plugged in, I wanted to see how much time I had left on it. And so I went into full accessory power mode and the dialogue box that pops up covers the charging information that you need. (laughs) So I have a picture of that. And I was like, I don't want to try, turn the whole car on. I just want to see, you know, I just need a little bit of information. And so that was kind of one of those funny things. Like, even if they had moved it over to the right a little bit, I would have gotten more information than just having it pop up right in the middle of the screen. Um, but, you know, again, I think I, I think overall, I really, I liked it. I, it. It wasn't that I went in with any kind of prejudice, but I came out feeling really really good about that vehicle about the ford mustang maki just to be clear <laughs> <laughs>
0: well good uh i am hotly anticipating my opportunity to to drive one um we'll see how long it takes to charge on my lowly 110 outlet with 60 <laughs> but, feet of extension about four cord. days
1: yeah because the voltage days.
0: drop is a thing um but that's that's one of the experiences, actually, that when I get an EV, I, I, I like to try out is sort of what the local charging infrastructure is like.
2: Yeah, for and sure. That was a very good lesson I, that for sure. Uh, it, it was a good opportunity for me to really drive around and see. Um, and again, I did it a little bit blind and and I, in fairness to Ford, they had prepared me better than I realized. And so. But overall, again, it was it was a very good experience. Let me just touch on one. I'm sorry.
1: Go go ahead, Rebecca. Finish finish your thing, then I'll. I
2: I didn't know if we were done. Um, I
1: I, I just wanted to address one other thing. Um, You know, this week is, uh, and I think it is comparable in in where you are. um, Mm -hmm. It's we've we've finally gotten really cold here in Michigan. Uh, you know, right now, this morning, uh, it was nine degrees outside. And uh, even even tissue
2: size, down a temperature. E- yeah.
1: Even, even on <laughs> even on Friday, when uh, I had to go to a meeting on Friday morning, uh, you know, it was about 15 degrees out when I, I got oh up. Gosh. And one thing with EVs that, you know, for anybody that uh, if you live in a cold climate or actually even in a warm climate, uh, one of the really advantageous things about EVs is. Pretty much every electric vehicle out there on the market has a feature called preconditioning, which uh, when you have the car plugged in, this is something you should take advantage of. Um, You can schedule in there what time you plan to leave in the morning or, you know, actually any time, any time of day and tell it, you know, uh, if you want the car warmed up. So, you know, on Friday morning, I had to leave at 830 and I said, you know, I want it warm when I leave at 8:30, And so what happens because, uh, EVs, you know, unlike an internal combustion vehicle, you know, with an inter- with an engine, you have this big source of waste heat, you know? And so you can just mostly flow- waste though. Well, you, you, you know, <laughs> you, you flow that hot coolant through a heat exchanger in the cabin and you can warm the cabin air without, you know, putting any additional load on the engine. You don't have that with an electric vehicle. You don't have that source of heat. And so they have to use a heater of some sort that's drawing power from the battery, and it's going to cut into your range. But it takes a lot less energy to maintain a certain temperature than it does to raise the temperature. And so uh, you should, you know, if you have an EV and you live in a uh, cold climate uh, or warm climate, take advantage of that because, you know, what I did is I said, you know, okay, I'm leaving at 830. I want the car warm somewhere around, you know, 8 o'clock or so or, you know, 745. Um, while the car is still plugged in, it automatically turns on the heaters, you know, turns on the, the cabin heat, warms up the temperature to 67 degrees in the cabin. Uh, and so I get in the car, it's nice and warm. You know, and then I can even turn down the temperature and you know a little bit, a few degrees. Turn on the seat heaters and the, the steering wheel heater. Those and seat I was,
2: heaters were hot. And
1: I was <laughs> nice and comfortable all the way, you know, to my destination, uh, without you know without drawing as much power from the battery. So well, so and when you think of a the the total efficiency of that too, um, you're using
0: is it resistive electric heat that, that warms the cabin?
1: Uh, in this one, yes. <clears throat> some newer yeah. some newer EVs are starting to incorporate heat pumps, uh, right. which are even more efficient. But yeah, I think I think the Mach-E is still using a resistive, resistive heater. But
0: and, and either way, like some heat pumps will also have resistive heat mm-hmm. to, to boost it. Because at a certain point, the heat pumps have gotten really good at, at, at heat as well um, as AC. But you get to a certain point where it's just too cold and they, they can't can't do it. So they, they still need something hot to, to make heat. But uh, the point I was trying to make is that um, for every bit of energy you put into resistive heat you get heat versus you know you've got to burn gasoline or diesel at at best 40 something percent efficiency to get some heat out of it mm-hmm. um with the the combustion engine so it's it's just a much more efficient way to to create a warm cabin <laughs> you know like you, you could probably actually make uh, make it much more efficient on a, a regular engine if you were to, I, maybe not because it's, it's just waste heat, but I'm just th- thinking like you get the cabin warm faster for sure uh, with a resistive heat in an in internal combustion car uh, versus waiting for that coolant to warm up. So it, it's it's a, just a much more energy conscious way to, to comfort, you know, condition the cabin for comfort. That's my rambling. I'm going to stop.
2: <laughs> no, and the heated seats worked great. Um, the other thing too, I want to mention the door handles. Which had been very controversial at times.
0: Oh, that's right.
2: So I it was funny because when I first went up to the vehicle, it had snow on it. And I actually the couldn't. The Mustang Mach E.
0: The Mustang Mark The Mustang e, the the when I first Must- walked up
2: to the 2021 <laughs> Ford Mustang Mach E, I I it had snow on it. And so I couldn't see where the button was that the release button. Um and so which was kind of funny because I I would love that to be like as you walk up like lit at all times, you probably wouldn't even look at you know during the day. But when it's cloudy out, like you can then see it a little bit better. But um, I tried it both with my right and left hand to see like how it was. And I actually it was actually really pretty usable overall. I don't know how it would be for people with extensively long fingernails. My nails are not extensively long, but that is one thing that I would be curious. about. You can use about. your knuckle on
1: it, though. You can just curl up your finger, press press the button with your knuckle.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've discovered, you know, through this pandemic, when I can't always get my nails done, that there's a lot of things that you can do uh, differently and not use actually use your fingernail or your th- you know the the pad of your hand. Uh, but overall, I didn't have any issues with them. I thought they worked out. They worked out just fine.
1: They they've they've worked they worked much more reliably for me than any Tesla door handles ever have. <laughs> Well, if that's your in the in the the multiple times that I've driven, you know, the Model S and, and, uh, you know, over the years, you know, those door handles that are supposed to pop out when you approach the car. It's very hit or miss whether they will actually emerge from the door. These work 100 (laughs) percent of the time.
2: All the time. Yeah. Yeah. So good lucky. Well done, Ford.
1: Nice.
0: Well, I'm finishing up my time with the 2021 cadillac escalade we touched on it last week and i've just spent more more miles and more days with it uh, in the ensuing time and and we I, I took it on a trip we just we drove through boston last night just to to put some miles on it and get it out on the highway and see see how it does in its element and man this thing i just felt like i could just drive just keep going and how far
2: is country. that how far is from your place to boston
0: uh, it's like forty-five miles, but we we took the roundabout route, so we went down through Worcester and out the the Pike. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. I mean, it has a, a fast lane transponder in it, so it's like
2: <laughs> <laughs> free tolls.
0: <laughs> yeah, although like now, even with the the press cars, um, they uh, oh my gosh, they they're not you don't pay the the tolls. Like you don't stop at the the, the toll booth now; right, they shut yeah. the gantry, So just scan. So it's all uh, wireless. yeah. So um, now press cars they, they they get the bill. I don't, yeah. and I'm happy to pay the tolls, mind you. Yeah. Not not uh, swiping <laughs> anything. Um, but we took it in. Yeah, we went we went uh, the pike in, and then we went through the big dig. You know, got a got to see our federal tax dollars at work. Um, nice with that up up across the the Zicken Bridge and stuff. So uh, it's just, it's really in its element as a big highway cruiser. It's very comfortable. It's like a cloud. It's really smooth and quiet um, and easy to drive in in that element. And the four-wheel drive system meant that I could tuck it into the snowbank in front of the house for the last couple of days without worrying about getting it stuck. Right. Um, you know, cause we, we did have some snow. We had about 10 inches of snow and it's, it's still there, but sometimes I have a single lane driveway, so I need to jockey the cars around. So I just stuck it there. So it's just tucked off the road. And and um, so it's just that kind of all purpose, very luxurious family vehicle. It is a little ridiculous to haul around all that truck stuff <laughs> <laughs> just for a station wagon, but you know the Escalade and, and Cadillac itself is supposed to be the best of what GM can do, and I, I for any vehicle type, and I really feel like this generation of the Escalade achieves that um, in a, in a way that maybe um, previous Escalades hadn't quite done, at least for a while. Um, I was I we know we all know that I hate screens. I was really impressed with the screens in this because you can dim them right down. It has a dark mode. Um, if you turn the, the instrument dimmer all the way down, it shuts off all the ambient light, all the things that are in the the, like the lighted switches and stuff. Um, and it, it leaves you with the speedometer and, and trip trip meter and stuff. Well, what, one minimalist. of the nice things
1: about the Escalade is, you know, it's OLED displays. Yes. Uh, so, you know, unlike an LCD, that's always going to have some light bleed through there. You know, it's, you know, when you turn it off, you know, you turn off those pixels, they're off.
0: Yeah. And that's it. That's fantastic. The OLED screens look good. You know, they, they have nice resolution, good color saturation. Um, they don't seem to wash out in the sun. The functions that I think a lot of people will like um, that I was a little less keen on, probably because I, I didn't really maneuver it around in, in parking lots and stuff that much. We didn't go to those places where you, you know, I did do a school pickup, which was a little tight, but um, it's got the uh, augmented reality camera that you can put in the instrument panel, and you can also switch that to night vision. Um, So it puts it right behind the speedometer, which is, it's not a bad place for it. It's, you don't want to drive looking at it, but especially the night vision, if you're in like a foggy situation out on some of the roads out here, Uh, where right now it's not, it's not sort of deer collision season, but you know, uh, (laughs) you never know. Yeah. (laughs) It's always deer season in Michigan.
2: Exactly. Right.
0: You don't want to hit one of those things, um, even with an escalate. So, uh, being able to see it around blind curves, just in the distance or something like that is, is really, uh, useful. And then, you know, the, the, the luxury was great. The materials, the comfort, uh, all of those features that make a Cadillac a Cadillac. I know they sound a little frivolous. I uh, mean, you know, things like the massaging seats and the heated steering wheel and all
2: the of cooler that. in the middle. But,
0: yeah. The cooler in the middle. This was <laughs> awesome. Um, and you know, just the wood trim and stuff. They, I, I, I know I gushed about it a little bit last week, but they've done a really, really great job just making it feel special inside and making it feel luxurious and, and like a, a well-appointed living room or something. And, and, it's not that's hard to do and and gm hasn't done that quite as well in the past as they have here it feels really premium and so they've done a great job with that it's got the screens for the 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 two captain's chairs, um, which my kids enjoyed playing with, although they were a little bummed it didn't have games on it like the Chrysler's too. <laughs> <laughs> Um They were able to follow along like the with the nav. So my, my son was like, we're in uh, Natick. I was like, yep. And we're going into, you know, whatever town. The, are, the are we here
2: on. kind of part of it like that Chrysler yeah. has. Was it that right. kind of thing? Yeah.
0: It, are we there was yet? Just, yeah, he was just, like, looking at the nav. He's like, where are we going? Where's home? Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, we're going. we're going That's east. awesome, though.
0: Yeah. Um, and the the thoughtfulness comes through when you start to use it. And uh, one of the my favorite features is it has the, the power lift gate that will open hands-free. And they have a little – they have a light. Um, you know, like, it's pretty common now for the lights in the mirrors, the puddle lamps, mm-hmm. to project the logo. And they, they do. Mm. But the um, – the tailgate, there's a light that pr- – it's, it's smaller, but it, it also projects a logo under the rear bumper. And that's where you wave your foot.
1: To- that's very handy. Oh, and that it, is you know, very right. handy. And it, it just
0: made me, like, num- smile.
1: I was like – The number of times I've been kicking my foot around under the bumper <laughs> trying to get the damn thing to open.
2: Right. And you wonder if anybody's looking and hoping they're not.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: And, and I just, like – I was like, oh – that's really, really nice because that's exactly the problem I've had. It's like, you wave your foot and you're like, I I don't, I don't know how to, where it is or like it, 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 it just helps. It's subtle, but it helps. And, and so that's, that's the kind of thing that charms people. It's one one little feature like that, but the, no, the Escalade is really well done. The six point two liter V eight is super entertaining, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and I did manage to get it up to about eighteen miles per gallon average oh, with, with the highway, so it wasn't yeah. wasn't too bad. Um, apparently, somebody who had this before me got twenty two, and I was like, "All right, you either didn't drive it or
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> um, reset the coasting downhill all Hell. the way." Yeah. Those um, but
2: those kinds of small details, uh, they're emotional solutions where yeah. you know, they it just makes you feel good. Right? Yeah. It it limits, you know, you you get out of the car feeling really good versus frustrated, you know, like we've talked about with many like infotainment systems or just, you know, buttons and knobs and you know, where are they? I and that it's just you know, when you have that that thoughtfully designed emotional solutions and I think I you know, there's, there are some companies that certainly do it better than others.
0: Yeah, well, the Cadillac did a great job with the Escalade this time around. I, I even commented last week how the styling was like not as maybe not as, as impressive as in the past either. But it's kind of grown on me. I like that it's a little bit more conservative. I, I think I'd probably like it on a longer version mm. um, so that the lines are stretched out a little bit. Um, but it's not, it's certainly not bad looking, but the interior of the Escalade is really where, uh, it impresses. And it, that's probably as it should be. Yes, for sure. We had a lot of questions pop up over the last couple of weeks and, uh, we didn't really touch on too many last week because we had Alex Roy. On, um,
2: <laughs> yeah, I love that this one, the, from John Code. Co-coast?
0: Kokosinski, yeah. What is it, John? John, John Kokosinski? is out this way. Kokosinski, I think. Yeah, he's out this way. I think he's in Massachusetts, uh, southern Worcester County or something.
2: Yeah. So oh. I love. So I'll go ahead and, and start reading his question. Really enjoyed this episode. I assume I think it may be 179, um, and felt the need to reach out. I found it very relatable. I was listening today while out for a walk on my lunch break, and as a car drove by, I couldn't hear what one of you were driving. Later on in the episode, one of the listeners suggested mentioning the car during the discussion a few times, especially helpful for people who pick up and put down listening to the pod throughout the day, which is why (laughs) we have now made a conscious effort to tell you exactly what we're driving multiple times throughout our conversation. So we do listen to you and we do enjoy these kinds of comments. So John continues. I also enjoyed hearing what other people are driving. No offense, but your garages make me want to pull my hair Uh, out. I
0: I, I read this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sam has a 30 plus year old Miata that I would love to fit in, but can't. I have tried, but at six foot three and 260 pounds, my knees are in the dash. Dan likes Panther chassis FMCO products
0: (laughs) and. Let's be clear. (laughs) I don't like them. (laughs) It was an inheritance. It was. Do you need a car oh, that a functions? Oh, and you
1: know you love the Panthers.
0: I was I was <laughs> curious and amused by it, but it's it's very quaint and definitely not a I've I've made a point of telling people how bad they are. There
2: there, there is something iconic about Ford's Panther. It,
0: for sure. Vehicles yeah, it, though. so look,
2: Oh, well, and he continues and and John continues with and stripper versions of Jeep Grand Cherokee. Again,
0: like our Grand Cherokee is limited. (laughs) It's not it's not the summit, but it's not a stripper. It's it's got leather.
2: (laughs) For better or worse. (laughs) Uh, And lastly, Rebecca drives a tiny little Buick that I may fit in or may not refer to my size above. Now, I will tell you that my brother Steve, who is six foot three and. Now is probably about one ninety five. He's he's he was but he was in there. He was about two twenty at one point. He's actually been borrowing the car. He's been borrowing Coco for the last month, month and a half at least, and he's been quite happy with it. So, John, you would actually, I I do think that you would fit in it because um Steve is uh probably doesn't weigh as much, but but he's a big guy. I mean, he's wide and 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 very tall. Um, so John continues. Thankfully all is not lost. All of you get to drive a wonderful variety of other vehicles and that's why I listen to you. If I were you, I wouldn't spend a King's Ransom on vehicles either. This is why I loved hearing the segment with the listeners. Uh oh so he was talking about when the podcast the live the live show.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well and I I appreciate um his his feedback on our our own personal garages <laughs> and that that is part of it. I when we bought the Grand Cherokee I was really um, amused by the way you turn into a feature buyer all of a sudden, because we'll talk about things um, as uh, we drive the press cars. We'll say, "Oh, you don't really need this. You don't really want that." And then when you, when it's your own money, you wind up making different choices than you you do when you're counseling people after a week in a press car. It's it's an interesting sort of contrast. Yeah, no,
2: it is. And how I came to own Coco, I so I I had been through a progression of vehicles, and at one point. I had a BMW X5, which was a ridiculous car for me to own. It was way too big, but I had had two X3s and they didn't have anything else at the time. And then um, I went from the X5 to the Fiat 500, which was not ideal either. Uh, and then I went when, I, when I, I was overseas. So I knew I was coming back from Saudi and I actually went and test drove. I think it was a it would have been like a 2014 uh, Porsche Mac, uh, Macan with a chocolate brown exterior and butterscotch interior, and I still dream about that car. But I also knew that I was going to be at the airport the majority of the time. The X5, when I owned that thing, it spent 70% of the time at at Logan Airport in Boston. And I thought, I can't spend this much on the Porsche Macan and have it sit at the airport. So my mom could get in and out of the Buick Encore so much easier than really almost any other car that I had had as a test vehicle. So that's what kind of led me. And I got a brown one with chocolate with a butterscotch interior. So that's what kind of led me to the Encore. It's a good little car. It's very quiet. I I mean, she's just a great little car for something that is relatively inexpensive. And obviously I don't drive it very much. Uh, But We all kind of had, you know, our reasons for having these things, but the Porsche McCann was the one that I really wanted. Um, So, okay. So John continues. I tend to flip in and out of cars rather quickly. My kind of guy. I've traded vehicles before their first oil change was even required. Oh, maybe not. Um, (laughs) I'm not saying this is smart, but I get (laughs) bored easy. And if you play the game right, you don't lose your shirt too badly. Maybe we should have John on to talk about this. I'm right around the yeah, age. I'm of I'm not the sure man. how you would do that. This I like, know, right? This, I'm like that's an interesting. This sounds commitment phobic. <laughs> um, I've owned over twenty. I've owned twenty-one different vehicles. If you count motorcycles, dirt bikes, and ATVs, that number jumps to forty-seven. If I add the cars my wife has had with me, then the number hits fifty-one. Oh, she, He's
0: married.
2: <laughs> it's a wide wow. range of vehicles from a cobbled together 1988 Suzuki Samurai built for off-roading, which you cannot kill. How much fun! Fuel injection swap, Jeep Y J Springs, 1985 Mini Toyota mini truck axles to our current vehicle, blah on on and on, and on. My first wow. new car, a 2000 Mitsubishi Galant, bought on the Oh, oh on the, the 000 program. What a mistake. Nice. 2017 <laughs> GTI stick. 2018 A4, uh, Audi A4 stick. I'm not bragging. I find it comical and would love to share my thoughts on vehicles if you ever do a segment like this again. If you think sound crazy, my cousin is worse. He'd make your head spin. <laughs> I look forward oh, yeah, to your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Every
0: week. We will, we will definitely do another live episode at some point. Um, and we'll, we'll, I will give John extra special fair warning. Maybe him and his
1: cousin can both come on and regale that us
2: with tales. That would be a riot. Yeah,
0: yeah and,
1: that would and, be great. And given the way that you know you get that initial hit of depreciation, I, I I'm. I'd, I'd love to know how he manages to not lose his shirt too much on I, getting rid of cars before their first oil change.
0: Well, it's, I guess it depends on whether it's your first oil change with you or, like, first oil yeah, change ever, I
1: mean, right? Like, uh, yeah, if, if yeah so, but either, but man. I mean, if you're buying a used car and, you know, before you change the oil again, you right. sell it, that's one thing. But yeah. if you're buying brand new vehicles and... I mean, who changes oil these
0: days? Yeah, you know, I think it's do, fair do, to say that not we have It's not done questions. with the oil I had yeah. in it. <laughs> we,
2: we, have, we have questions for John kokosinski
0: yeah john needs to come on and and explain himself
2: we do so okay shall i continue
0: uh sure oh you're gonna be the reader i can be it. the reader if you want me to okay okay right. guess. Uh, so michael okay. michael sim is next michael right? sim to start okay.
2: i am enjoying the banter and camaraderie that the three of you have on the podcast we enjoy it too <laughs>
0: this is our daily church this is church of, church of auto church uh, of, oh, of wheelbarrows um, um,
2: i used to listen to two of you on the autoblog podcast way back when lieberman was an autoblogger having said that i listened intently as you had your discussion about buyers of tesla model threes versus nissan Leafs. prior to buying my now current model 3 sr plus i did not consider an ev a viable option when my commute changed pre-pandemic to a longer slog with the potential to use the carpool lane, I went and test drove multiple EVs. Long story short, I would have bought a Jaguar I-Pace with a lovely top-of-the-line non-leather interior, but $90,000, even with rebates and discounts, to 75 was outside my price range. Um, At the sub 40 range, uh, sub 40,000 range, I had a choice between the Model 3, Nissan Leaf, Chevy Bolt, and the Hyundai Group products. As an enthusiast, I was switching from having a manual transmission for my daily driver to almost 20 years, uh, for almost 20 years, so I needed something with driving panache. If the Bolt had an interior that did not look like styrofoam (laughs) inserts, thank you very much, Michael, I would have chosen it. Having owned the Tesla for over a year now, I can say that I am not impressed with the overall product, but accept it as an excellent commuter car with excellent though numb handling capabilities. I enjoy plugging in at home, but think Tesla has ridiculously poor build quality and atrocious customer support. I would not buy another Tesla product at this point, nor another EV. That's interesting too, because we do see that quite a bit. Uh, Barring yet another change in my commute pattern, I am thinking of an Alfa Romeo Giulia or Genesis G70, though that GV70 looks absolutely gorgeous in and out for my next car. I just want to give you another perspective of a Tesla owner who enjoys using the car for a purpose, but does not necessarily subscribe to the fandom of uh, some others, for the brand or its gregarious CEO thanks and keep up the great work on the podcast Michael I think we all agree with you yeah
1: well, <laughs> yeah, I, I I do totally agree you know and I think um you know by the time he's ready to get rid of the uh, the model three you know this this year in particular 2021 2022 we're going to see a flood of new electric vehicles coming to market yes. at in a variety of different form factors and price points. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot more choices now. While I would never want to talk anyone out of getting a Julia, um, you know, <laughs> I think the Julia
0: does a good job on its own. Yeah, oh my
1: gosh. <laughs> um, you know, I I think that uh, you definitely might want to reconsider that that strategy of not getting another EV. Um, you know, certainly as we've talked about with the Mach E, but you know, there's there's a whole bunch of other products. You know, the uh, VW ID. Four. Um, uh, new Hyundai and Kia EVs coming this year, and you know stuff from uh, Mercedes and BMW and, and many other manufacturers. So, uh, not to mention, <laughs> not to forget GM, of course, with you know with their their <laughs> slate of, of EVs coming. Um, but you know, to to the point about you know the issues he's had with the Tesla. Yeah, uh, you know, I think that this is something that you know anybody looking at Tesla is is going to have to seriously. Um, think about, you know, going forwards, you know, th- this is going to be a real challenge for Tesla, you know, the, the quality issues that they've had, you know, they, they picked up a lot of new customers over the last three years since they launched the model three and now the model Y. And if they can't properly support those customers and, you know, both with good initial build quality and, and after purchase customer support, which is a real complaint that I hear from a lot of Tesla owners This is something that they're going to have to deal with, um, you know, or they're going to start losing more market share to a lot of these newcomers, both from traditional automakers, as well as from new entrants into the EV field, you know, non non non-traditional automakers.
2: Well, that's the thing. That's what's so interesting is that Tesla has had this basically to themselves uh, to, you know, really inexcusable shame of the legacy manufacturers because they had opportunities. It wasn't, you know, Tesla just did it right, relatively speaking. You know, the, it was the right image, wanting to support, you know, a brand that that does drive the future, you know, as I talked about earlier. So I think that, you know, but, but the, the difference now, as you said, Sam, is that other companies are starting to come up now and you don't have to buy from the legacy companies. You can buy. Rivian is coming out with something. Fisker is coming out with something. Lucid Air. You know the Lucid Air. If you've got one hundred seventy thousand dollars laying around, you know there <laughs> there's opportunity. We're going to start to see small and large companies producing really good, interesting vehicles with good range, good build quality, I, you know, good styling. Uh, and and the the competition for Tesla is going to be fierce and you know, and and a lot of the flaws that people have been willing to put up with are going to be more than exposed and people have choices now.
0: Well, yeah. And that was, you know, an interesting thing that Michael pointed out was that um, he wouldn't consider any EV. And I wonder if that's just because now with his driving pattern, he doesn't feel it's necessary or if the experience with Tesla has put him off. To say, you know, this product's just not good like enough um, because that hey, that one sour calling. experience with one particular brand okay, really I think can have that chilling effect on the entire segment. And as you look around right now, there's not a ton of choices quite yet compared to uh, what we're going to see, like Sam was saying, you know, by the end of this year or into next year. So. Maybe his opinion will change when there's more choice on the market because that is one thing that Tesla has sort of in its favor. There's not a whole lot that's like those cars yet. I mean, the right. Mach-E is getting there, but um, there's you know there's either more high-end or the 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 Bolt Leaf stuff. That's just I can I can see why, as an enthusiast, you wouldn't want those.
2: Well, and and that the styrofoam comment, I I'm I'm here for that.
0: I didn't object to it. I thought it was, I thought, I thought the bolt was well done, but um, yeah. And, and I the, mean, the money has the to 20, you know, the,
1: they're, they're about to launch a refreshed version of the okay. bolt that has a much nicer interior. You know, you and I saw it Rebecca last, last year, last March yes. in Detroit, Yeah, you know, it's, you know, I mean, it's still, you know, the same form factor, you know, small, you know, compact hatchback, but it does have you know, granted a much better interior um, materials than the current uh, bolt. And the the EUV similarly will have that as well.
2: Yeah, I think GM's really done a good job of upping their interior game, as, as you know, as Dan talked about in in the Cadillac, and I think that some of that has certainly moved down to their EVs. So we'll see better things coming from them. But I agree, Michael. I would not discount getting any EV. I think that you should look and see what's coming up because I think there's some really good stuff coming up. Okay, the next one. So John Bates he says, "Hey guys, when sources talk about car prices." They always talk about averages for a given period. Is there a source that gives the median price of the cars sold during a given period of time? To me, the median would be more interesting since high priced cars can affect the average more than the median. A second question I have concerns how much tax credits on electric and hybrid cars help lower income people buy them. I'm not a tax expert, but if I'm correct, the lower your income, the less likely that a tax credit would do you any good buying a car. Do any of you know if I'm right?
0: I think he's right.
1: I yeah, no, ab- absolutely right. Um, I'll I'll address the second question, um, and Rebecca, you may have some thoughts on the first question, but um, you know, the the reality is that lower income people don't buy new vehicles anyway; they buy right. used used cars. You know, yeah. they sell, in the U.S. We sell. We uh, so have about three and a half times the number of used cars sold every year as we do new cars. And so the reality is these tax credits really only affect, you know, middle to upper income consumers because they're the ones buying new cars. If you're, you know, earning minimum wage or, you know, even, you know, up to, you know, 15, $20 an hour, the chances you're buying a new car are almost zero. because you just, you simply can't afford it. It's, you know, it, it, they're too expensive, even for the most affordable cars. I mean, the, The most affordable vehicle, new vehicles on the market today, you know, are, you know, things like the, the um, Hyundai Venue and, you know, some of these other small crossovers and even small cars. You know, you're looking at a minimum of 17 to $18,000 for these cars and somebody, you know, in the lower income brackets, it's just, it's out of their reach. It's simply out of their reach. So this is one of the challenges with, um, with uh, buying uh, EVs and, and hybrids now. On the plus side, for those customers, because of those tax credits, you know, or at least in part because of those tax credits, one of the things that we've seen for, especially for EVs, is the depreciation on those cars tends to be much higher. Because what what is often happening is the that tax credit is being factored into the resale value of the car. So rather than looking at the sticker price, like you know, say you know a Bolt, you know, thirty seven thousand dollars sticker price, you know, uh, at least before it ran out of tax credits, um, (laughs) you know, they would would figure out the resale value based on the $30,000 after credit price, you know, and then, you know, so the, the depreciation appears a lot higher. Plus, you know, there were concerns about batteries. So you can actually get some really, really good deals on used EVs, especially at the lower end of the market. Older, you know, older Nissan Leafs. Fiat 500Es, you know, Chevy Volts, Bolts, um, you know, there's some screaming deals on those. And that's where it starts to get interesting for those uh, for those used car buyers in the lower income segments, because depending on, you know, I mean, granted, many of those cars, you know, are shorter range, you know, sub hundred mile range, like the, the first generation Leaf and the 500E. But, you know, if you can get one of those for, you know, nine to ten thousand dollars and, you don't need a car that goes more than, you know, 80 to 90 miles on a charge. uh, That's that can actually be a a really great option for those customers, assuming, of course, that they have someplace convenient to charge. Yeah. Yes. Uh, All right. (laughs) Um, Do you have some thoughts, Rebecca, on the, you know, the median pricing? Given that you used to work for KBB?
0: Well, yeah. how about we explain median versus mean too, right? Because yeah. that's what he's saying. Like the average is the mean, right? Which is you add up all the prices and then divide by the amount of prices you By the number of added. units. Right. Um, and that, that does skew you um, because you know, the, the higher priced cars mess with the, the, um, the overall price, the average price, versus median, which is the actual middle. Right. Mm -hmm.
2: Right. How many cars sold above? How many cars sold below the same number of cars above same number of cars below? You know, I, I did a quick search. I couldn't find anything. I think he's right. I think it's really hard to find because a lot, you know, it's, everything is kind of ag, ag made into an average, you know, by zip code. And, you know, you can get very geo specific, but I didn't, I think I've he's got a really good it. point. I've never seen it published
1: anywhere. That said, uh, if you really want the data, it, it is available. You just have to pay for it and yeah, pay a lot. Exactly.
2: For it. Like right. com- yeah, companies like
1: J.D. Power and, and Kelly Blue Book and, and others have that data.
2: Right. It is there. It's yeah. just not made to made available to the
1: public. Yes.
0: Well, and I think that that's, I love that he's being a careful consumer and of, of information and he's he's actually looking at what is this information that they're actually giving me? Is this the median? Is this the average? Um, because that's that's really important. It and is being sort of literate about, especially about statistics. Uh, I I like to see that. <laughs> yeah.
2: And one thing I have to say on on the tax credit part of it, um, there has been discussion um, amongst the academics that advise. Uh, people like NHTSA and the EPA and such uh, to redo some of the tax credits and how they're implemented. And I I hope that that some of the recommendations that we talked about years ago on the barriers to electric vehicle deployment for the National Academies of Sciences that I was on, uh, that they come to fruition because it's things like immediate, not a tax credit, but a, an immediate $7,500 rebate. rebate, right. And, and because uh, and also then, of course, on leasing, you don't get the money. You're not getting the tax credit. So there's opportunity. There's plenty of opportunities for improvements in how we implement some of the some of those kinds of um, government programs. So hopefully we'll start to see some changes there as well.
1: And and I suspect that we will, you know, in the coming months um... With, the, the, with new the new administration, administration yeah, for this, sure. this is you know this has now become a very important topic uh, under the the current administration, and so I think we will see changes, uh, both expansions and, and changes in how these incentive programs work.
2: Yes, yeah, and 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 I think that we can make some improvements for sure, and in short order too, hopefully. Um, okay, so next one. So Ben Chambers. So Ben was actually, I uh, joined us on the live show and he says, I just want to thank you for the chance to be on the live show. It was great fun. Of course, I thought of a dozen things I should have said after it was over. <laughs> I have a 15 year old daughter who's learning to drive. We are thinking about what kind of vehicle would be best for her once she gets her license and are seriously considering an electric car. We don't make this stuff up, people. Like These are just questions <laughs> that actually came in. <laughs> just very timely. I think
0: it was Ben, though. Ben, you could probably give Ben the credit for uh, reminding us to um, talk about which car we're, we're expounding upon.
2: Yes, I do yes, believe that, that he was that one was of it, the ones. That was yes, his comment was, during the show. Yes, so thank yeah. you, Ben. Uh, so he's, he continues for his 15-year-old daughter. He says, we are thinking... About what kind of car, and he says, 2017 Chevy Bolts with less than 30,000 miles can be had for less than 15,000, to what Sam just talked about. And this seems like a good deal. What are your thoughts on an electric as a first car? Her commute to school would be about two miles, so it seems ideal. Am I looking over something that would make this a bad idea for a new driver? I look forward to the show each week and appreciate the knowledge and perspective on the auto industry.
1: I um, I think it's a great oh, right. idea.
0: Yeah, I I think um one of the things that I recall from being a new driver was um the idea of range on a tank of fuel. Yes. <laughs> so and the range can get you in trouble when you wind up in places where you were not supposed to be going. <laughs> <laughs> and and the EV will sort of help. Right, the EV will sort of help fence mean, you a, in because you be like, Wait, I, can't, I can't charge over there. But also, like, I mean, for people who actually trust their children, um, I th- if it's a two mile commute, I, it's a great option because no gas car is going to warm up in that time. You're going to use a lot of fuel. You're going to go through exhausts, and it's just generally not great for you know the the environment. So. And you want to put the youngest driver in the newest car because of the safety features. So if that's newer than anything else in your fleet, it's going to have you know, better crash performance and uh, airbags and all of that stuff that's more modern than even something that's five or six years old. So those are two points that would put it in a plus column for me.
1: And, and to the geofencing point, you know you might, as much as I love the Bolt, You might even want to consider, you know, one of the shorter range EVs like the Leaf or the 500E, uh, you know, particularly the 500E because, you know, it's so small, you know, less less likelihood of her carrying around a bunch of her friends which, you know, is, you know, for, for teenage drivers, you they are
2: such dads right now. Right.
1: You know, we are what we are. You know, you know, this, this again, you know, for young drivers, this is one of the risk factors, you know, when, you know, they're they're they become the chauffeur for their friends. You know, and, you know, again, you know, one of these shorter range EVs cheaper, you're going to get them even sub $10,000 pretty easily. Um, and it further limits the, the perimeter of where they're going to be driving.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think, um, and Lucy's chiming in in case you can't hear her. <laughs> uh, I think um, it's a good idea. I, I like this, especially, you know, the, the two mile, the fact that she's got a really short drive to school. I think there's opportunity. You know, this is, these I mean, people her, his daughter's age are the ones that are going to be driving EVs, you know, primarily uh, in the future. Uh, is, I think he lives in Arizona. I
1: think that's uh, right. that was Tennessee.
2: Or, uh, oh, is it Tennessee? Oh, yeah, you're right. In the yeah, it is Tennessee. So yeah, somebody else was on the, the Arizona. So I think, you know, it's certainly. Or I think Georgia. There's a, there's it was Georgia. A, Georgia. That's right. Yes. He's outside of uh, the, uh, the Kia plant. Yep. So. I think that there's a good level of responsibility that comes with owning a vehicle, you know, whether you're putting gas in or EV, obviously, you know, depending upon the, her opportunities for charging. I would certainly look at that before I would make a full commitment. Is it, you know, is she going to be able to charge in a in a relatively short and safe place for a young woman? Uh, so I think that there's, I, I like the idea from a commuting standpoint, I but I would also just want to make sure that the charging infrastructure is something that she's not going to get stuck on the side of the road, uh, and that you know she can charge relatively easily. So, which is interesting, also, and brings up another point of like, are there any charging stations for students at schools?
0: Yeah, I don't yeah, know if m- there are. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, if it's a two mile commute, that's not. That's less of a big deal if it's just a couple of miles back and forth, but if it if it's more, yeah. Yeah,
2: but or if she the, can top up, you know, every Friday or something, you know, yeah, it's you or,
1: know, or, you know, plug it thing. in at home, you know. And, well, that's the thing. And, and to, right. your po- to your point about you know, especially for a young woman not wanting to be stranded somewhere, that actually, you know, despite my earlier comments about. <laughs> geographically limiting where where your kids can go, um, you know, the the bolt might actually be a better choice. There's less risk of that, uh, you know, and if you get her into the habit of, you know, every night when she comes home, plug it in. So it's always topped up, uh, you know, and then, you know, with a 200 plus mile range, you know, there's there's relatively little risk that she's going to be stranded somewhere.
2: Yeah, I agree. So I, I wouldn't rule it out. I just think that we that, you know, looking at charging opportunities do they have a charger at home what are those uh what is her charging situation and, and with with any ev um but i think even more so with a, a new young driver and 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 dan to your point of you know put put the newest driver in the newest car i think is absolutely right for safety reasons
0: yeah so, so think, all of the dad stuff aside i i think it's a great option and it you know it gives you something that's gonna. It's not like a small underpowered car e- either. EVs are pretty responsive, so you've got enough oomph for most uh, maneuvers. And, well, especially the
1: Bolt. I mean, it's two hundred yeah. horsepower. That's so, more than most cars.
0: I, I think it's. I think it's a good idea. And you know, I'm looking. I'm always looking at EV options anyway. Um, I think that more and more is. And, and what does she want to drive too? That's that's the other thing that I was thinking is like what what's what's on her list of concerns. I will tell you that my 15 year old is very conscious about what, what kind of earth we're leaving her. So,
1: so are my kids. um, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, that's a, a very much of an enduring value when it comes to uh, younger people, that they are very globally, globally and locally aware
0: Mm -hmm.
2: of of the environment. So, yeah, I think that this, um, as you say, could really play very nicely into what some of her values are as well.
0: Yeah, so Ben, let us know how it works out. Yes, please, please send pictures. Um,
2: <laughs> Adam, Jenkoenko you Jack-o- guys are her buddies. Jack-o-
1: Jackowenko, I think.
2: Jackowenko, I knew I wasn't quite saying that. Jackowenko. Um, so question: Why have so few automakers implemented any kind of useful built-in dash cam functionality into their vehicles? For all of Tesla's pros and cons, their Sentry Mode is objectively pretty great. Most cars have at least two cameras in them. Many have four, including my Chevy Bolt. I know BMW, Cadillac and Subaru all have cameras that can record, but at best you can get a tiny clip that only records when you crash and it's difficult to obtain that footage. And I never see these even advertised as features from the automakers that have to do them that have that do have them. Seems like they could be doing so much more in this space. I don't know about you, but I've definitely had my fair share of experiences on the road. And when parked, that came short of a full-on crash that I wish I had a record of. I'd gladly pay a century-like option in my next car if anyone would just offer it. P.S. I realize I write in whenever I have a random thought. So if you ever use my Mm -hmm. questions or comments on the show, feel free to just say a Patreon supporter instead of my name if you get sick Mm -hmm. of saying it. (laughs) Well, uh, we ap- I apologize for mispronouncing, Adam, but and, we're always and happy we to hear from you. we
1: appreciate your support. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, a couple of things here. Um, first of all, the sentry mode, while, you know, a very cool feature that Tesla offers, you know, taking advantage of those cameras, um, it does have some issues. Uh,
2: and what is sentry mode exactly again?
1: So, uh, you know, the Teslas have eight cameras around their perimeter <clears throat> that they use for autopilot. And what you can do when you enable sentry mode, it uses those cameras to record when anything happens. So it, it keeps the computer on and keeps the cameras running, you know, just keeping a running buffer. And then, you know, if it detects, you know, somebody hitting your car or potentially okay. scratching it or you know, doing some vandalism, whatever, um, you know, it will save that, uh, save that recording. And so- right. Or have... the person
2: that like pulled out right in front of me the other day. Yeah, you exactly.
1: Yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> they're- there is an issue and, uh, it's, you know, our friend Alex, who was on the show last week, um, he has a Model 3 and he, he told me about this a couple of years ago when he first got it. Uh, turns out that if you leave Sentry mode, if you turn on Sentry mode, when you especially when your car is parked, uh, I mean, when it's running, it, it doesn't matter so much because the cameras are on anyway. Uh, but when when the car is parked, normally without Sentry mode, uh, the Tesla will lose you know it'll drain about one mile a day of range while it's parked you know it's that's just the way it is you know batteries do that and and there's always some some stuff that's running right with sentry mode that climbs to about 10 miles a day
2: (gasps) oh my goodness
1: so it's using quite a bit of power for that yeah um also you know to do a dash cam system you've got to have some storage somewhere and that's expensive you know that adds cost you know and I guess manufacturers, you know, unless they think that that's a feature that customers are going to be willing to pay extra for, um, you know, they may not be willing to. Now, What
2: kind of storage? RAM
1: storage? Flash, or flash memory. Actual, a flash, okay. Yeah. And as we talked about, you know, with the Tesla recall, you know, that can also be problematic. Um, you know, if you're, depending on the type of the quality of the flash you're using, um, you know, that can basically get worn out. Um and I suspect that there are also some liability concerns, you know, manufacturers maybe don't want That's to, I was <laughs> don't want it's to like they stick their stick themselves in the middle of, of this, right. you know, and perhaps, you know, get, um, you know, sued for something, maybe not recording when it should have, you know, it, it's just, it's just one of those things that they, they, you know, maybe the lawyer said, yes, yeah, maybe not such a great idea. Um, <laughs> so, That's I think those are probably some of the main reasons why going forward. I think we probably will see it implemented more, um, you know, with, you know, as you know, cameras, you know, become are becoming ubiquitous and, you know, we're moving to uh, an era where cars are being equipped with more data storage capability, um, you know, to support over the air updates and all the other things that are going in there. Um, you know, they, they may do that, but you know, they've, they've got to figure out uh, the power consumption issue first, you know, especially for when the car's parked.
0: Yeah. And I, I think, um, that liability thing was, was my first thought. And partially is because I, I work for lawyers. Uh, so <laughs> it, but, like they don't, they don't necessarily want to own that. Like, like, ha, you know, we don't want to provide the cloud storage for it. We like it's it's bad enough when cars get into crashes, and there's the whole issue about um, event data recording uh, info and who owns it and where it comes from and where it's stored. Uh, you start to add all kinds of, of video footage to that; it gets it, it can get a little bit more complicated. And then there's the idea of what if that information gets accessed by people you don't want to have? You know, it's all privacy, security stuff. So it's just easier to just like, if you want the camera, go buy one. You know they're cheap and um then it just records on an sd card and you can do whatever you want with it <laughs> i don't know maybe in another country not the u.s where lawsuits fly like candy
1: besides <laughs> nice. you got you got to leave something to the aftermarket
2: yeah, yeah exactly right? um okay so the next question <clears throat> a patreon supporter Says
1: <laughs> an anonymous Patreon supporter,
2: coincidentally named Adam, <laughs> says, "Would love to hear your thoughts on the recent Ford Google partnership they just announced, starting in 2023." I thought about this because cars are becoming more and more like computers on wheels these days, and it's increasingly a factor one must consider when buying a car. Ford is just now debuting the electric Machi that runs on their latest Sync 4 OS. They've been touting as having great new features and OTA software update over the air software update compatibility just like our computers and smartphones that sets expectations especially for tech savvy buyers like myself that the software in the car will not be static and will continue to get updates throughout the life of the vehicle i give credit to tesla for really pioneering pioneering this idea Uh,
0: you know hang on tesla Tesla did not pioneer software updates for the vehicles maybe over the air but like that's been going on for a long time
1: yeah and, and actually even you know what tesla pioneered was the idea of um, over-the-air updates for throwing all security systems completely in the out the window. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> like, other other manufacturers have actually been doing OTA updates longer. You know, going back to the mid two thousands, um, but only for the telematics system, only for the communication. Right, GM
0: used to be able to. That was one of the questions we asked them a long time ago: was uh what they could do with OnStar, and they could. They said, you know, we, we could do anything we want, but we wall it off because of like, safety and liability and security which issues. Tesla, Tesla doesn't care as much about yeah. when they're making the users the beta. GM Tesla. loves their owners.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but sure. I mean, GM and, and other manufacturers, like I say, have been doing OTA updates for the communication system for the telematics going back to the mid two thousands. So yeah. that, that is there. They just haven't been doing it for safety critical systems.
0: Sorry. I, I did not mean to jump on you. I'm sorry. I just I, No, no, I, I'm, okay. I'm good.
2: Um, so he says a uh, present, uh, S slash slash X, I don't know, recall excluded here. <laughs> um, he goes on. So while I don't have any concerns <laughs> about them maintaining the existing infotainment system, it brings up questions about them continuing development to provide new features, upgrades and improvements after they've moved on to focus on the new Android platform. Where will that leave buyers of brand new 2021 models in a couple of years? I'm considering a Maki, and I know Rebecca seemed to really enjoy her testing of it as well. So as someone in the market for a new premium vehicle, I never thought I'd have to add to my test drive checklist an item called, what OS is this car running and will it keep future software improvements? <laughs> if you're in the market for a new Ford right now, that's a really big question, considering it's possible that their new 2021 model might only get new feature love for a couple of years. Ford really isn't communicating at this point in spite of my vocal concerned new Maki owners, in spite of many vocal concerned new Maki owners. In my mind, that's a pretty big problem that I think Ford needs to address for buyers of 2021 and even 22 models and something car manufacturers in general really need to consider as more and more core functionality of vehicles gets tied to the infotainment system.
0: Well, if you're a car maker and you give away your game like that and you say, we're (laughs) going to we're planned to support this hardware for the next seven years, all of a sudden your competitors can Provide eight, nine, or ten. So that's a really crappy way to, you know, sort of show your entire playbook. That said, I think you're probably not going to have a problem buying a mach E having it supported for ten years. I don't, I don't think that's an issue. The Android stuff, again, like they have to support their users for as long as is practical for them, and that is a stretch of more than five years. Um, at, at a certain point, they'll just dead end it, and you got what you got. Same as a laptop. Same. Yeah, as exactly. A phone.
2: Like, so, I mean, this is not uh, this problem is not unique to automotive. Yeah, it, it is in that you know people expect their cars to last thirteen years and well, longer. Yeah, but and I don't I think, think, I think also think... that you know I would like clarification on when we talk about this Ford Google partnership and Android that we're not talking about android auto it's android automotive like the software and such
1: yeah
0: so and that hasn't even rolled out yet right like that's that's been announced but it's not right so not there, like there's there's gear.
1: there's two parts to this announcement with Ford, the ford and google relationship one part is that ford has selected google cloud platform as their preferred cloud provider for the company for you know all kinds of services and uh you know things that they do a lot of back-end stuff like their supply chain management and manufacturing and product development but also uh to you know underpin a lot of the services that are going to provide to consumers. so there's there's that 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 is actually starting right now that's starting this year okay um, so they're they're moving a lot of their stuff you know they and they you know forward it, like other con- i'm sorry yeah you know, Will it,
2: the end consumers see that
1: no okay that's that's not something that will be visible to to any consumers okay um or, you know, to any users, even in, inside the company, you know, it's just, that's the, the platform that this stuff is running on. Every big company is using cloud platforms now for all right. kinds of stuff. Um, you know, Ford already, you know, use, does stuff with Microsoft Azure and Amazon web services as, as does every other manufacturer. So that's, that's the one piece. The other part of it, the infotainment side, as you said, Rebecca, they're, they're going to switch to Android automotive. Um, so this is, you know, when you look at your infotainment system, you know, there's very simplified. You know, two main parts of it. There's the underlying operating system, and there's the application layer. What you see is the application layer. The underlying operating system today it's QNX. Before they launched Sync Three in 2016, it was Windows Embedded. You know, so they've they've switched OSs before. The and in 20 starting in 2023 they're going to switch from QNX, which is made by BlackBerry, to Android Automotive on top of that there's still going to be a ford application layer the interface that you actually see is going to be different and there's already cars on the road today that are running android automotive volvo uh and polestar are using it for for their new systems um later this year gm uh, will be launching their first android automotive based systems i think the the new evs are all going to be running android automotive um the the Chrysler Pacifica, the the refreshed 2021 Chrysler Pacifica with Uconnect 5 is running Android Automotive. All of these have a distinct look and feel. They're all running Android underneath, but they're going to have different user interfaces on top that are unique to the manufacturer. It's entirely possible that when you look at a 2023 Mach-E that may or may not have Android Automotive at that point, they haven't said what the cadence is for which models are going to get it which years. It may look exactly the same as the current one running QNX uh, with the same interface on top of some other uh, operating system. So there's there's that piece of it. And then um, the you know how long the stuff gets supported. That's that's a big question that is a, a big unknown right now. You know, one of the problems with making this transition to having over-the-air updates and, you know, this promise of improving functionality over time, it actually costs a lot of money to develop that software and to Mm -hmm. validate it and to distribute it. And, um, you know, that stuff doesn't come free. What we're going to see going forward is you're going to get, you know, a period of time, probably three years on most vehicles where you'll get those updates for free. After that, you're gonna have to pay for a subscription for something to continue getting those updates. Um, otherwise, you know, it's gonna be like your phone. you know, you can still use a five-year-old phone today, but it's not getting any software updates. <laughs> um, at some point, unless you're paying for it, those updates are probably going to stop. Uh, some things will probably keep coming, like you know, uh, for example, you know, you may not get new features after three years, but you will get security updates, you know, or, you know, critical bug fixes will get fixed, but you, you, you'll you just stop getting new features. So you'll get different updates over time, depending on on what you're willing to pay for. And this is something that we're, you know, we're all demanding these OTA updates. Manufacturers are saying, OK, you got it. Here's a new revenue stream for us. And so they're you know, you're going to you're going to start paying for this stuff at some point.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it it goes back to the days of when I was putting my first shitbox Volvos together from, (laughs) you know, junkyard cars. The options that people paid for uh, once were in other cars. So I would pay for them again (laughs) to take those pieces and then put them in my car. This is a much cleaner way to do it. On on the used car side of things, and and I think that you got to take the the good with the not not so good, right? Like uh, there there needs to be certainly a way for the car to operate safely without any of the updates ever. And I'm really hoping that they've figured that out, uh, so that the thing doesn't become a brick after five years. But also for those those buyers who can afford to continue the subscription, and there needs to be multiple tiers of subscription, and there will be so you can get those, those supports. Like I know it's another subscription service to buy. Uh, and so that, that really, that's why I say like, it needs to work without it because not everybody has the income for yet another thing to subscribe to, but the choice should and and will be there. So, uh, it's a brave new world, everyone. Let's see how, how it works out. So that's the end of our listener questions. We're all caught up. All right. (laughs) Um, I think at this point, because we've done almost two hours, I will release the uh, the Peter Egan episode as a standalone, um, just because this is already packed with peanuts, so it really <laughs> satisfies. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll see everybody again. For the next Wheelbarrows podcast soon. In the meantime, you can leave us reviews. I was reading through some of the reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts, um, so I, we appreciate that feedback. That's a great tool for discoverability, and we want people to discover the show so that we can continue to uh, make more of them, <laughs> which, which you all enjoy so much. It does—it does help the, you know, growing the uh, listener base and the. Um, the the sort of feedback really helps us fine tune the kind of stuff that you'd like. So, so keep letting us know and keep telling everyone. And uh, we'll see everybody next time. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wheelbearings. Hey, we love to listen to our listeners, too drop us an email to feedback at wheelbearings.media with your thoughts, questions, or conversation starters. That's feedback at wheelbearings.media. You can also find us on Twitter at wheelbearingscast. Don't use any vowels except for the A in cast. So that's W-H-L-B-R-N-G-S, cast. Thanks again. We hope to hear from you soon.